So Jesus has, again, just finished telling the parables of the lost sheep, lost coin, prodigal son. He turns to his disciples within the earshot of the Pharisees who still loved money more than they uh, loved God. And he says that at the end. I'm not just saying that about them. And and here's what uh, he says. There was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. This rich man probably had was, was landed gentry, so to speak. He probably was had sharecroppers on his, on his farm, but they weren't poor sharecroppers because their debts are so big that these would have actually been kind of like gentlemen farmers that would have been, in a sense, leasing out the great land of this, of this very rich man. And, but the manager would be kind of a bit of a, a level below for sure, the great rich man, as he's a servant of his, he also would have been at a station in life lower than all the farmers that would be, in a sense, uh, leasing out the land as well. Uh, because those farmers, based on the amounts of money that we have here, uh, would, would have been actually uh, rather respected in society. So anyway, it says he called him, this, this manager in, this manager who was dishonest and wasting his possessions, as we just saw, And he says, hey, what's this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be my manager any longer. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master's taking my job away. I'm not strong enough to dig. I'm too ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do. When I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their homes. So he called in each one of his managers, his master's debtors. And he asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly, make it 450. Then he asked the second, how much you owe? 1,000 bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill, make it 800. All right, I'm going to stop here for a second. What in the world's going on? And why is this guy about to be commended for doing this? And why would the rich man be fired up that if he really owed 1,000 bushels of wheat, why would he be like, hey, good job. Good job of knocking that down to 800 so that you could get your own selfish desires taken care of and I'm the one who has to sacrifice 200 bushels of wheat all for you and you're the one who's getting fired anyway. But it all seems bizarre. But that's what's about to come our way. How do we make sense of this? Let me read on. So the master, this is what I'm about to just said, the master commended the dishonest manager because he acted shrewdly. It's kind of like, oh, you ripped me off. Good job. (laughs) Man, you know what? If I wasn't impressed with you before and all your dishonesty, now that it affects my pocketbook, I am so impressed with you now. A plus. Hold on, no, we got to figure this out, right? And then he goes on to say, for the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves. So when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with very little can be trusted with very much. Whoever is dishonest with very little will be dishonest with much. So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who's going to trust you with true riches? And if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who's going to give property of your own? And then there's another tagline here. But that that gets away from us trying to wrestle with the core understanding of this thing. So 
what, what most, I, I think, come down on, people that are kind of cultural historians of the era, is that think of like a tax collector. A tax collector is given, in a sense, a franchise. And there's a kind of a set amount of money that he's supposed to collect as a tax collector. Say Matthew or Levi, he's supposed to collect the taxes of commerce coming off of the Sea of Galilee. That's where Jesus met him. And he would have had some sort of a franchise understanding, economic uh, agreement with the Romans that he would collect a certain amount of tax. Now, if he collected any more, where did that go? Into his pocket, right. And that's why Luke 3 has this idea of, of, of hey, repent. If, if, if you do not collect any more, then you are meant to, is, is the kind of the, the, that story. Now, it is likely that this manager kind of viewed his job of going around to all the different parcels of land of this vast landowner and saying, well, I need to collect 800, uh, 450 gallons of oil from, you know, Jedediah over here. And, but you know what? I'm going to go ahead and make his bill 900 gallons of oil and see if I can't just pocket the difference. So in a sense, by him being a dishonest manager, what he was doing was like a dishonest tax collector. He was treating his responsibility like a franchise rather than like one in which he's supposed to operate with integrity. And so all of this overage was not him ripping off the, the rich man. The rich man would never have been fired up if he was going to discount his monies. What he was doing was these dishonest bills that he had been providing to the, to the franchise workers of the land were artificially inflated so that he could get the gap. And so his gap would have been, in this case, the extra gallons of oil, the extra bushels of wheat. So all he's really discounting right now is discounting his dishonest commission that he was putting on it and still allowing the rich landowner to get his right amount and probably making it more likely that he's going to get his right amount because it's a whole lot easier to pay 450 than it is 900. And so the rich landowner was probably happy that, wow, okay, I, actually, you know, I was actually able to get mine finally and these people are paying on time. But he might have also realized what this guy had done. And as he brought in the books and saw the books, as he asked, hey, bring in your books, I want to do an accounting here, and realized that, okay, I've heard word that this thing went from 900 to 450. On the books, it's always said 450. Why? Why was that? Oh, I know where that was coming. That was you. That's where that was going. But your last chance, you got honest with everybody and made them think that they were getting a discount so that you would then, in a sense, you were foregoing your last chance at a commission. And your last hurrah of making the 450 bushels or the 200 gallons, your last chance of being able to get that for yourself and maybe go off and have 200 gallons or 450 bushels, you realized that it was more wise to not get the 200 gallons, to not get the 450 bushels, but instead to have the goodwill of those people so that later on, you might be able to have a greater benefit down the road. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so that's the shrewdness that the rich landowner is commending here. And in a sense, what he's realizing is, even the people of this world realize, what good is it to have a short-term benefit that is really not going to last much longer than, than a few months, in this guy's case, versus 
having the long-term goodwill whenever you would need it that would be provided by a short-term sacrifice. So the short-term sacrifice is more than worth a long-term benefit that was there. And so Jesus brings that around saying, don't be dishonest. But if even the darkened people of this world know how to act shrewdly and realize, hey, it's not that big a deal to get a short-term gain. Anybody can kind of pull that off. But what's really astounding is for you to look at that short-term gain, evaluate it, and say, rather than hold on to this short-term gain, I am instead going to allow it to be used for a long-term, even in this case, eternal benefit, well, then that is acting shrewdly with what it is that God has given you. And we all know that we should you know, put our treasure in heaven rather than on earth, and, and, and rather than really look at, well, let me, let me get what I can get right now through trusting in riches rather than trusting in God. And that's why Jesus then concludes with, Verse 13, no one can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the other, or to be devoted devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The Pharisees who loved money heard all this, and they were sneering at Jesus. He said, you're the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others. God knows your hearts. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. And so, What people value in terms of consumerism and commercialism and all of that crassness to God. It's like, don't you see? This is just a mere mist. And and, and don't you recognize what can be gained by really investing in things of God rather than just in things on earth. And so we get to be, and I think it's a well time that this is where we are in in the Gospel of Luke. It's well time for us to realize What do I want? Do I want to hold on to this little bit even though I'm in a tough financial spot? Do I want to hold on to this little bit because of the security it provides me? Or do I want to make a sacrifice for the long-term incredible glory that it'll be able to bring to God's kingdom and to trust that it will do that and do that and then some? And so what what we give, and and we give somewhere in the neighborhood just on the peninsula, praise God how exciting this is, we give about $100,000. It's what we gave last year, just shy of that. It's, it's, it's our hope for that and then, and then some because of the building this year. Um, but of that, over 50,000 of it goes to the Indian subcontinent. And praise God that that's, that that's where it goes. And then another uh, 25,000 of that then goes to helping churches like West Virginia and the planting of Akron and to be able to have... Uh, bolster the staff of the Roanoke and Charlottesville churches, our smaller churches who kind of depend on us, the churches that we planted uh, over the years where we continue to be able to help them. And this is the time of year where we do that. It's so cool because basically most of the money that we collect, we give away. So even for us, the, uh, of the of the 100000 on the peninsula and 325000 for the whole church, but for us, just think in terms of the 100000 again, we're, we're now over at 75000 we give away. But then whatever is going to be beyond that, we keep and we're going to put it towards really not for our comfort, but for our service to the kingdom of God in this building. And, and we, we're really you know, running a little bit short on, on getting us to the building. And I, that's why I think this year we, we blow it out, especially us here on the peninsula, to be able to blow it out anything beyond that 
then all, everything goes to the building at this point and allows us to get into the building and make it awesome, make it excellent, and to help it to, to, to really be a great place for us for generations and generations to come. So we do collect special contribution tonight, uh, and we do collect special contribution next week. What we'll do, though, is rather than do it in our groups, is to, to, to with celebration, to be able to do it as we, as we pass the trays tonight. And, and what our hope is, is that um, as the trays are passed, that whatever we can give with special, so that we can get as close to, to wherever we need to go as possible, and then next week we'll finish it off. Although next week, um, just to, to kind of prepare yourselves, because we are going to try as a family for sure. I mean, even though we'll reach our goal tonight, we're going to look at what else can we do. And next week, even as we look at what else we can do and talk about sacrificing and rearranging and really living to, to serve God rather than money, to trust in God rather than money, we're going to ask that families come up together next week. And we're going to just leave a, a, a couple kind of big, big boxes up front. And we're just going to come up family by family next week in celebration of, yes, we trust in God, and we had to give to God, and we get to really establish something for generations and generations to come, praise God, not only in being able to see all the great work that's being done over in the Indian subcontinent and the churches planted um, throughout the western part of the state, but even what we're going to establish as a beachhead of great faith here on the peninsula so that, you know, when, when, when we've got... You know, Warren preaching the word, uh, you know, 10 years from now, uh, leading the peninsula region of the Hampton Roads Church, that, that we'll remember even as we're sitting there, and he reminds us of like, you know what, I was a 16-year-old, and I thought that Ed guy was just, you know, throwing out a bunch of just, you know, rhetoric and jive, but oh my goodness, it happened! And here we are, and here I am preaching, and look at what God has done through this amazing place, what, what he has really established. So, I, I get it. I think I've already shared with you guys, we, we're not in a great financial place. You know, it's, it, it's not like being a minister, you know, all my cares are gone. Uh, I don't get some sort of special blessing from God. We, we sold our house at a $20,000 less than we bought it for. Uh, we're going to write a check at closing, not get a check at closing. Uh, to get into our other house is going to be many thousands of dollars as well to get that back up. To, I get it. I get what it's like. Oh, no, not now. But that's fine. I'm excited that it's, it is so kind of harrowing in a sense because I get to live out what do I really trust in all of this. And I know, I know God's going to work it out for our family. More importantly, I want to see uh, all of God's work glorified through, through all of this. So amen. We'll pray now and, and we'll, we'll be able to, as the trays come by, wherever those guys are. Oh, they're ready. Um, um, after that, then... Um, We'll, uh, we'll be able to hear from Matt and, uh, and have a great sermon from, from our brother in the internship from Richmond. Um, let's pray together. Uh, dear God, th thank you, God. Thank you that we have the privilege of this opportunity. And, and we have not just us, but our brothers and sisters all throughout Virginia Beach and Norfolk and Chesapeake and Portsmouth and Suffolk. That, that they're all likewise pulling for us right now, contributing out of not what they not out of their wealth, but but, but out of even their poverty, uh, to make sure that your will is really done, and that uh, we can in every little way be trusted with worldly riches, and that with those worldly riches we can be wise, uh, wise for the sake of your kingdom, uh, rather than just looking to have security uh, in and of our sight. That we can live by faith, and that we can also celebrate by faith. And ultimately, to be able to see greatness, greatness done 
uh, in Jesus' name. And it's in Jesus' name we now pledge and give, and we love you, and it's in Jesus' name we, we pray. Amen.